Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lentz, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Learn more about the program and our church when you download our free Living Truth app. Now here's part five of Pastor Michael's teaching in Ephesians 6, 10 through 13, about how to suit up for spiritual warfare. The Lord is answering Job out of the whirlwind after Job has uh, placed his complaints before the Lord. And he says these words, Job 38, verse 4, Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me, if you have understanding. Who set its measurements since you know? Job 38, 5. Or who stretched the line on it? Or what were its basis, on what were its bases sunk? Or who laid its cornerstone? When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. Now theologians say that since this is a depiction of the creation of the earth when God was creating things, there were some sons of God, and that's another name for the angels in the Bible, who shouted for joy at the creation of the earth. And so what we know is that we see Lucifer all the way in Genesis 3 already present in the Garden of Eden. And so he's been around a long time. He's a created angel. He is not God's counterpart on the evil side. He is simply a fallen angel. Now what type of angel might he be? Well, some have conjectured that he actually was an archangel. And so let's keep going in the Old Testament for a second. And let's pass up Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, and you're going to get to Ezekiel. Let's go to chapter 28 in Ezekiel. Now in uh, prophecy, what happens is often prophecy will be layered. It may be speaking to the immediate leader of that day, but on a sub-level, this is the beauty of prophecy, and it can even be speaking of an immediate time and then a time in the future, there can be layers to prophecy. And so this is a particular um, example of that. It's addressing the king of Tyre, but then it moves into a, another being that uh, seems to be someone quite different. So let's look at uh, verse 11, Ezekiel 28. Again, the word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, take up a lamentation over the king of Tyre and say to him, Thus says the Lord God. You had the seal of perfection, Ezekiel 28.12, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering, the ruby, the topaz, and the diamond, the beryl, the onyx, and the jasper, the lapis lazuli, the turquoise, and the emerald, and the gold, the workmanship of your settings and sockets. Many see that there's a reference to uh, musical um, instruments or something of that nature was in you on the day that you were created. They were prepared. Some even have conjectured that this means that Satan was the worship leader in heaven. You were the anointed cherub who covers. And I placed you there. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked in the midst of the stones of fire. This is why scholars believe that you have a sub-level of prophecy because the king of Tyre, this does not apply to him. And so we think that Lucifer is being talked about here. 
He's called an anointed cherub that covers, maybe protecting that which belonged to God or even has the idea of protecting the very throne of God. You were blameless in your ways from the day you were created until, notice, unrighteousness was found in you. By the abundance of your trade, you were internally filled with violence and you sinned. Therefore, I have cast you as a profane as profane from the mountain of God, and I have destroyed you, O covering cherub, from the midst of the stones of fire. Your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom by reason of your splendor. I cast you to the ground. I put you before kings that they may see you. So here's a specific reference in the Old Testament where scholars say there's a sub-level of prophecy pointing to Lucifer. Now go back a few books and go to Isaiah chapter 14. You're going to see a very similar thing. Here the king of Babylon is being addressed, but again on a sub-level we have uh, a reference to Lucifer actually named in this prophecy, Isaiah 14. Look at verse 12. How you have fallen from heaven, O star of the morning, I think the New King James has Lucifer there, son of the dawn. You have been cut down to the earth, you who have weakened the nations. But you said in your heart, and here's the famous five I will statements of Lucifer, I will ascend to heaven. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit on the Mount of Assembly in the recesses of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the Most High. Oh, no, you won't. Nevertheless, you will be thrust down to Sheol, to the recesses of the pit. Those who see you will gaze at you. They will ponder over you, saying, Is this the man who made the earth tremble, who shook kingdoms, who made the world like a wilderness and overthrew its cities, who did not allow the prisoners to go home? And again, we see another reference to this being that seems to be behind world leaders. Think of Babylon. Think of Tyre. Think of the wickedness that took place. See, what we need to understand is that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. And when Paul writes that, I say, Paul, are you sure? You ever said that before? Because you feel that way. Because most of our problems are, frankly, with people. But we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. Now think of it this way. The principalities and powers in the book of Daniel, chapter 10, seem to have this regional responsibility. And there's the prince of Persia and so forth. And there's these demon powers that are over certain regions of the world. You know how sometimes we say certain regions of the world seem dark? And we go, why is that? Because I think that there's probably more demonic influence in certain regions where there's witchcraft and uh, you know voodoo and you name it. There's, there seems to be more spirit activity or demonic activity in some regions of the world. More cases of demonic possession. Why? Because the door knob is on our side. And the more we open the door to demonic possession and oppression, the devils will happily come in. And so I think this is what the Bible is teaching us, that this is the way it works. And Satan is a very real adversary, and he comes against not only the unbelieving world to blind their minds, 2 Corinthians 4.4, but he is in battle with the Christian. That's why Ephesians 6, verses 10 through 20 are so important 
to understand. So let's go back there. Let's see what Paul says first in the text. And this, as I mentioned, this is going to be a several, several weeks study. And we're going to take our time through it so that we can really understand it. So this is Ephesians 6, and we're going to begin in verse 10. It says, finally, that word finally has the idea of for the rest or what is remaining or moreover. I think Paul is summing up all that he has presented in the letter with the word finally. This especially applies to the duty or worthy walk section beginning in 4.1. In essence, please hear this well, this section of spiritual armor is the final piece of all that he has said in living the new life. I don't think Paul is uh, just summing up the letter. I think the word finally is he's saying, I've taught you about putting on the new man. I've taught you about being filled with the Holy Spirit. I've taught you about how that should affect every practical area of life. And now finally, I'm going to give you the coup de grace. I'm going to give you the final piece that you need to understand to complete the ensemble. You got to get this. Finally. I'm summing it up, but this is the rest. This is what remains. This cannot be separated from what has come before it. It is essential to round out the complete plan for the victorious Christian life. I wrote in the book, and I told you it's on the website, that the first four years of my Christian life, I was an absolute mess. I brought all this baggage into my Christian walk, and I will tell you that even though I was born again and saved, I kept going back to some of the old sins. I felt like I was a guy on the winning team, but I was a loser. Ever felt like that? Because I knew what was right, and I knew what I should be doing, and I even felt God pulling me into ministry. And yet I found myself going back to some of the same sins and the same uh, places that got me in trouble. Now the good news, and I say that because I want to encourage some of you who are in that place in your walk right now to give you some encouragement that you're never going to be perfect, so you can get over that right now. But you can, your Christian life, and this is, I stole this from John MacArthur, but I think it's important. It's not about perfection. It's about direction. Very important that you get that. Your Christian life is not about perfection. You will never be perfect. It is about what direction you are moving in. Okay? At the end of every year, I want to be able to look back on that year and say, I'm not the man that I want to be yet, but I'm not the man I used to be. Now, in those four years, what started happening is God was confronting me with my sin. And each time he confronted me, it was as if, as close to an audible voice that you could get, the Lord was saying to me, Michael, I want to use you, but this has to go. And I'd fight him a little bit. And every time one of those sins would be put off, it's the old analogy of the sandbags in the, in the uh, hot air balloon. Every time a bag of sand or a weight in my life got thrown out, the balloon went a little higher. And another bag of sand went out and the balloon went a little higher. Until eventually all those sins were in my past. Now, I confess to you, usually from this hunk of wood, I, am, I have not arrived. But those sins that I carried into those early years are in the past now. Praise God, because he does give us victory. Areas where we may have been fearful and we may have you know, thought, I could never do that or I could never be that. No, you can't. Because God is the one doing the work. But sanctification, we must 
understand this, is a process, and you learn how to fight as you go on in your Christian life. And you learn that as you starve sin and feed the inner man, you become stronger as a believer. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Thanks for tuning in to Walk in Truth today. Did you know there's more where that came from? Download the Living Truth app to listen to more of Pastor Michael's teachings whenever you want. You can even watch videos. And if you're local to Southern California, you can get updates on church events, new studies, and more. Download the free Living Truth app today. Hey, Pastor Michael and the team really appreciate you listening to Walk in Truth. It's our goal to bring you the truth of God's Word and help you apply it to your life. To equip you when people in your community have questions, not to throw the truth in their faces, but to have an answer for the hope you have inside you. Would you please help us with something? Would you please reach out to us today to tell us how Walk in Truth has been a blessing to you? We have a church board, and they would love to hear from our listeners. They want to know how this ministry is reaching you. We would love to know how Pastor Michael's messages have helped you day to day, or even just this one time if you're a first-time listener. Please take a couple moments to either call us and leave us a message or email us. The number is 844-48-TRUTH or you can email us at contact at walkintruth.com. That's 844-48-TRUTH, 844-48-TRUTH or contact at walkintruth.com. And thank you so much and God bless. We'd love to see who's listening. So please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walkin' Truth. And you learn that as you starve sin and feed the inner man, you become stronger as a believer. You learn that as it, when you're in the fire of temptation, I want to take you back to a story. Many of you are familiar with it. You had Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That were the, that's the names they were given in Babylon. And, and they are have, having to face the colossal image of Nebuchadnezzar, and everybody's told to bow down. Well, they refuse to bow, bow down, even with all the pressure. And just to get to the heart of the story, because I'm not going to tell it in this context, but you know that they end up in the fire, and there's a fourth one that comes into the fire, and it's the Son of God. And here's what we discover. We discover that when we stand against temptation, even though we could make every excuse in the book, let me say this, I've said it before, it's elementary, but it's important. Temptation is tempting. If it weren't tempting, we wouldn't call it temptation. We'd call it something else. It has to have some appeal to my flesh to be tempting, otherwise I wouldn't even bother with it. So the devil can come in very pretty packages. The song, The Devil with the Blue Dress On, <laughs> Amen, there's some truth to that, right? And so we, we need to understand that this is the battle. This is what we are in. So they're, they're facing the decision and everything in them, I'm sure, if we were faced with that, fiery furnace heated up seven times hotter or bow down for a moment and hope God forgives you, what would you choose? They said, Nebuchadnezzar, whether God delivers us or not, we know he can, we believe he will, but even if he doesn't, let it be known to you. We are not going to bow down before your gods. Well, he throws them into the fire of furnace. Now, would God have forgiven them? Sure, I think he could have or would have. But they would have lost their testimony. But here's the most important thing for this topic. They would have missed God's provision in the fire. 
You see, when you face the fire of temptation, it's hard, it's difficult. Everything in your flesh is saying, give in, give in, give in. And when you say, Lord, there's a way of escape, you are the way of escape, come into the fire with me, then God shows you that his presence is provision enough to get you through it. The problem is, we often don't call God into that. What we do is we say, God, uh, I'd like to go on vacation as a Christian for a while. Let's be real. But if we are willing to call God into the fire of temptation, and that's exactly what it is, God will bring a stabilizing presence. He won't always pull us from the fire. He will join us in the fire. You see, the book of Hebrews says we have a great high priest in heaven and he ever lives to what? To intercede for us. It says we can call upon him and he is able to come to the aid of those who are tempted. Hebrews 2.18. In Hebrews 4, it says he is able to help us. And the idea of the word help I've shared with you in the past is a nautical term. It's used for frapping. It's running cables along the hull of a ship to stabilize it in the storm. That's what he does. He doesn't always remove temptation from us, but he stabilizes us in the midst of the fiery trial that we may be going through. This is the nature of the battle. The battle belongs to the Lord, but you've got to bring the Lord into the battle. And if you don't, Dr. Walter Martin, and I've mentioned his name several times, some of you still don't know who he is, shame on you. (laughs) He wrote the book, The Kingdom of the Cults, great anointed preacher, I believe he died in the late 80s. He said, If you go onto the battlefield naked without the armor of God, there's only one thing that you will be, a casualty. There's no armor for the backside either, nothing to run away from the battle, right? It's about going forward in your relationship with God and knowing that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And so the NIV says, finally... You can tell why now that it's going to take several weeks to do this. Be strong in the Lord, and notice the double emphasis, and in the strength of his might. Now, you would think that we'd get it after the be strong in the Lord, but there's a double emphasis. It has to be in the Lord, and it has to be his power. Or, in the NIV it says, his mighty power. Reading from the Nelson New King James Study Bible, be strong is endunamao. It may also be translated be made strong. It's in the passive voice which suggests that we cannot do it ourselves, close quote. And so it's be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. The power is from God. It is not from us. That's why Paul said, when I'm weak, then I am strong. Why? Because when I'm weak, I tend to lean more upon the power of God. But when I feel strong in my flesh, that's when I'm the most susceptible. I'll share uh, an insight which I think will resonate with most of you. I have found that I am most tempted after spiritual mountaintop experiences. I have found God uses me, you know, I have the privilege of a platform. I couldn't imagine uh, 20 years ago or even 10 years ago that God has given me the platforms he has. And so I get, I get opportunities to have God use me and minister to people and it's glorious. And, 
and I'm always humbled by it. And I'm like, Lord, thank you. And, I, and I'll sense his spirit moving and touching lives. And then I'll go home. And I'll be a little tired, a little poured out, but certainly happy about you know, what I've been investing in. And it's at those moments that the enemy comes. Uh, at the end of Jesus' 40-day fast, when the Spirit, the Holy Spirit impelled him into the wilderness to kind of uh, make him a more faithful and merciful high priest, he was tempted by the enemy. And the enemy's first temptation was, why don't you turn that stone into bread? You're certainly hungry. I mean, 40 days. Come on, man. Right? If you're the son of God. See, that's, that's how the tempter comes. He comes when we think we're strong, but we're feeling weak. And that's why part of your preparation for spiritual warfare is to understand yourself. You have to understand when you are the most susceptible. You have to understand what areas of your life make you most susceptible. And you cannot be foolish about them. Now I want you to go to Romans 13 for a second and I'm going to show you a key passage. It says, finally be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. And the next verse is going to say, put on the full armor of God. Okay? Since this is not literal physical armor, but we know it's spiritual, we have to understand how you put on such a thing and what exactly is it. So let's look at Romans 13. This will give us some insight. This is verse 12. Romans 13, 12. It says, The night is almost gone and the day is at hand. Let us therefore lay aside the deeds of darkness. I want to highlight some key phrases if you like to mark your Bible. Notice the phrase in verse 12, lay aside the deeds of darkness. And you'll notice darkness and light will be two key metaphors. And put on the other key phrase, the armor of light. Now here, the armor of God is called the armor of light. It's in contrast to the deeds of darkness, which will be helpful. First, Paul starts with the negative, the things that you need to lay aside. These are deeds of darkness. You've got to put them aside and put on the armor of light. Notice what they are. This is not exhaustive, but it says, Let us behave properly, Romans 13, 13, as in the day, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual promiscuity and sensuality, which speaks of unbridled lust, not in strife, that means tension with others, and jealousy, I think that's pretty obvious. You've been listening to Suit Up for Spiritual Warfare, Part 5 on Walk in Truth, Pastor Michael's teaching in Ephesians 6, 10 through 13. And don't forget, if you missed any part of today's program, you can listen to Walk in Truth on the Living Truth app, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you'd like to learn more about Walk in Truth, our church, and the events and studies we have going on, then download our free Living Truth app in your app store. The Living Truth app is the one with the red logo with the pillars. Now, here's Pastor Michael. Well, what can we really attribute to spiritual warfare? There's got to be a balance because I think it was C.S. Lewis who said, we got to be careful that we don't see demons behind every tree or in every situation. Uh, If I'm having a tough time at work or at home or in my marriage, is it always spiritual warfare? Maybe not. It may well be, but it may not be. Is there always happening something happening behind the scenes? Well, I would say there is stuff happening behind the scenes. Does it always pertain to what I'm going through specifically? Probably not. So how can we discern the difference? Well, 
Here's where we go back to the three categories, the world, the flesh, and the enemy. Sometimes it's my own flesh. Uh, I've met the enemy and it's me looking back at me in the mirror, right? I'm the cause of it. It's the lust of my flesh, the lust of my eyes, my pride, as First John chapter 2 talks about. Could be the world system, just fact, the fact that we're clashing against the pattern of this world and we don't have a, the same worldview. And then sometimes it can be demonic. And so that's the balance. Uh, is there always something demonic happening behind the scenes specifically pertaining to my situation? Not always, but sometimes. And when it is happening, whatever the category or the reason may be, the world, the flesh, or the devil, the response is still the same. We got to put on the armor of God so that we can deny the flesh, we can battle the enemy, or we can resist the influence of the world. Either way, whatever the origin may be, it is the same response. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be able to stand strong. This is Pastor Michael Lance. This is Walk in Truth. Hey, it's exciting to be part of your day. Thank you for listening. Thank you for praying. We pray that this program is a blessing to you and that you're being better equipped to fight this good fight. Hey, if we can help you in any way, you can send prayer requests at walkintruth.com walkintruth.com. Send us a prayer request. We'd love to pray for you. You can always reach out to us at 844-48-TRUTH if you need prayer. Uh, I have written a book on spiritual warfare. It's called Suit Up. It is available on Amazon, and it's also available if you give us a call at 844-48-TRUTH or even send us an email, walkintruth.com. God bless you. We will see you right here tomorrow for more on the spiritual armor and spiritual warfare. And join us tomorrow for the conclusion of Pastor Michael Lance's teaching about spiritual warfare in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 13. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.